the San Francisco Experience podcast. Brought to you by Jim Herlihy. Independent commentary from a Silicon Valley, California perspective for a global audience. Featuring newsmakers, thought leaders, and authors. Season 21, Episode 3, Code Tenderloin. Talking with founder, Del Seymour. San Francisco's Tenderloin neighborhood, adjacent to Civic Center, is an urban environment and home to a diverse population. In addition to a large immigrant population, there's a large unhoused community of men and women living on the streets. Code Tenderloin works to ensure that their clients are housed, clothed, and fed to put them in the best position to secure long-term employment and to deal with issues including substance abuse, mental health, personal finances, and criminal records. Del Seymour joins us from his office in San Francisco. Good morning, Del. Good morning. How are you? Good. Thank you, Del. Del, tell us about your own personal journey there in the Tenderloin District. Well, good morning again. I've been in Tenderloin 38 years. I entered the Tenderloin not knowing anything about the Tenderloin. And I quickly became a part of the Tenderloin drug scene as a dealer and user and scounder and just a bad person because I got addicted. As I want to start this out, addiction is not a a purported desire to do a criminal activity. It's a disease. Mm-hmm. No difference or leukemia. It becomes a disease that you can't just say, well, I don't want cancer no more. I don't want leukemia no more. You can't do that, and you can't do it with addiction. I wish it would be able to say that I just don't want addiction no more. Take it away from me. Mm-hmm. But it's much higher and more involved than that. So anyway, to get back to it, I spent 18 years in this very messed up lifestyle in the Tenderloin, doing every all the things. Like you say, you go to Vegas and you do Vegas. I went to the Tenderloin and I did the Tenderloin. Mm-hmm. And for 18 years. So when I was able to get out of that situation and turn my life around and turn my life back doing a 180, I decided I could have did two things. I could have got clean and walked away from the Tenloin and never set foot in, in this area again. Or I could have stayed and used what I've learned and re- replaced some of the resources I took away. I decided on the latter. Mm-hmm to stay and make the Tenderloin a better, help to try try to make the Tenderloin a better place and use the resources that I took away again and the lessons I've learned and share that with other people who I used to use with, be on the streets with, do crazy things with, to help them also on the path that I was able to get. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, I started the organization called Tenderloin Walking Tours 15, mm-hmm. 15 years ago to bring people into this community that's been misaligned and misunderstood and that every day is still misunderstood. People don't know exactly who we are and what we do and why we are here. A lot of people say, well, yeah, well, while you're here, you just a bunch of people that took a left turn on life. No. We are a bunch of people that left, life took a left turn on us mm-hmm. by not providing 
we advertise, we talk about how much we care and we work with people and we love people, but it's not manifested. If you come to Tenderloin and see, that's not really the situation. Mm-hmm. So my idea was to get people in a better situation to use the what, what I learned. And so many people helped me get clean. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, one of the politicians made the statement years ago. I don't know if it's Nancy Reagan or somebody. It takes a village. Oh, yes. That is so true. Mm-hmm. You can't, you know, like personally, I was so messed up. You, If I compare myself to an old car, mm-hmm. you couldn't fix me with a screwdriver. You needed a whole Craftsman roll-off toolkit. <laughs> I needed every socket. Every pliers, <laughs> mm-hmm. every torch, every wrench. That's how messed up I was. And that's how you have to consider a lot of us in the Tenderloin. We need that whole toolkit. Mm-hmm. The city and the county and the government thinks that we can. you can do it with a screwdriver. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, Dell, you and I were chatting before, and you were telling me about your history. During the 1960s and the Vietnam War, you were a medic. Uh, on the helicopters, yeah. evacuating soldiers from the front line and bringing them in for uh, for aid and assistance. Then you came back onto uh, on shore to Los Angeles. You worked for the Los Angeles Fire Department. You were also a medic there, and of course, a family, a home, cars, living the American dream. Yeah. What happened? Crack cocaine. Two words. All it takes is one hit. And your life is 100% transformed. Mm-hmm. Sometimes forever, sometimes for a short period. I met a, I went to a meeting some years ago, many years ago. And it was a meeting where, where uh, I mean, our NA meetings are only open to people that are in addiction. Mm-hmm. We don't open our meetings to anyone else. Family, nobody can come in. Mm-hmm. So I went into a meeting one night. And there was a guy who was, he looked like a senator or governor. I mean, he was like like the top of the line looking guy. Mm-hmm. And I immediately said, what in the hell is he doing here? Mm-hmm. Turned out he was our guest speaker. And he owned a computer company, a micro, microchip company mm-hmm. over in Silicon Valley. And he was with an employee on a, on, on a business trip who was using crack. And he asked her what was that. And she explained it to him. And he gave, he gave, I'm sorry, she gave him the pipe. Mm -hmm. And he took, he was a multimillionaire. And he took a hit. Before he could finish the hit, he told himself, I'm broke. Within three months, he was broke. So it's a very life, one hit is a very life-changing incident. Mm -hmm. And Dell, what happened after 18 years of living this life in the Tenderloin? What was the, what was the catalyst? What was the moment that, where you said enough, I'm I'm stopping this. I'm changing this. Was was there a single catalyst, or or was it were there several? Well, I would like to be for sensationalism say it was a single catalyst, but that's not true. Mm-hmm. It was several things. The number one thing was I realigned with with my faith community. Mm-hmm. That was number one. I got tired of disappointing my children, mm-hmm. and I, I knew I was better than this. I knew I was better than this. Mm-hmm. And to be very transparent, the day that I stopped, it was three years later before I wanted to stop. Mm-hmm. But I did stop that day. Mm-hmm. But again, it was three years later before I had 
I no longer had the desire to use. Mm-hmm. Once you stopped using, then you were able to draw on these these resources, these programs to, as you said, you know, the Craftsman Toolkit where you needed everything to help you get back to where you oh, had I needed to... every, I needed everything, yes, mm-hmm. I need everything. And then, obviously, that worked for you. It worked for me, yes. Mm-hmm. And so then you went on, you did the walking tours, but tell us about Code Tenderloin, where you're, you're actually reaching into the, the homeless community to individuals who have substance abuse problems. You're reaching out to them and getting them into detox, getting them into rehab. Tell us about that aspect of the work that you do there in the Tenderloin, because we see so many stories of you know sad situations on the streets of the Tenderloin, and you're providing, you're turning that around. You're on the front lines. You're actually affecting good and you know bringing people out of that life, out of that world, into a detox rehab. Tell us about how you did that, how you transformed your own personal situation, and how you expanded that to bring others out of that life. Well, actually, Code Tenderloin is like a segue of Tenderloin Walking Tours mm-hmm. because I was bringing these corporate people from all over around the world, uh, these big-time organizations, tech companies, and, and universities from Australia and, and New Zealand and Copenhagen, and they always ask when it got re- down deep in the Q&A, why are these people standing on the corner like this? Mm-hmm. And I told them the reason why, because they can't get jobs at Twitter or Microsoft or all these companies that are based in the Tenderloin. We got Twitter, we got Square, we got Uber, all based in the Tenderloin. Mm-hmm. And so they told, and I asked them, well, so why, do, aren't, why aren't you hiring our people? And they said, well, they don't know how to code. Mm-hmm. So that's when I started Code Tenderloin, to answer their, to have a rebuttal to when they said that we don't know how to code in Tenderloin. We know how to code in Tenderloin now. Mm-hmm. We got hundreds of people that graduated our coding classes. Mm-hmm. And you've placed them, right? You've placed them with some of the companies yeah, that you just the mentioned. Yeah, placement, placement is an integral part of it. We, we, we're not just here to send you to a coding school and give you a, give you a piece of paper and say, hey, good luck. No, we actually do the placements. Mm-hmm. Again, that's a story that we're not hearing enough of. That uh, I agree, I agree, I agree. And we and we need to hear more stories like that. And and yeah. tell us lately, of course, the the big issue that we have here in San Francisco, of course, is fentanyl and the fentanyl overdoses. What are your thoughts about that? And how are how is your organization dealing with that that fentanyl overdose crisis? Oh, what we do in fentanyl is another crisis. We are crisis strong in the Tenderloin. We've had so many crises from from initially HIV was our biggest crisis. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, street youth prostitution in the 60s was another big crisis. Crack cocaine just devastated the Tenderloin. And methamphetamine devastated the Tenderloin. And now we have the fentanyl that's devastating and killing people in the Tenderloin. Mm-hmm. So we're on all fronts. We're going out with our outreach teams. Next week, we will be starting the first overnight outreach team in the history of the Tenderloin, where we will have have, have workers from 7 at night to 7 o'clock in the morning filling in a gap when there's no one out there, and we'll always, always also be working on the weekends. We'll have our own van. We just bought our own, I mean, received our own van. 
and we'll be picking up people, taking them to detox centers, taking them to the sobering centers, taking them to treatment centers when available. So we are stacking up to be the, the next ambassadors as well as we can. And that's going to start on June the 5th. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's, that's impressive. How do you, who gives you the support for this? Where do you get your funding for Code Tenderloin? We get it wherever we can. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Mainly from the city, city and county of San Francisco. Uh, our wonderful Mayor Breed yes. has been very, very open to providing avenues and alternatives to what's going on right now. Uh, we work very closely with the Office of Workforce Development in San Francisco. We also get assistance from organizations like Twitter, uh, like and including Twitter, Zendesk, Dolby Sound, and many other organizations. And, yeah. and, and of course, quite a bit of personal uh, investments. Because when I ask people for money, I'm not asking for no money. I'm asking for an investment. Mm-hmm. I testified at City Hall yesterday for an initiative we're trying to do for the Tin Lawyer. And I made it very clear to the supervisors in my talk, I am not asking you for no money. Mm-hmm. And I said, you got this, you got this list as an appropriation. It is not an appropriate, it's an investment. Mm-hmm. Because you will get your money back. Mm-hmm. We will have less 911s, less deaths, less corners, and less all these other expenses if you invest in us right now. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm asking you and you and your listeners. Consider an investment. Whether it's a coach and lawyer or, or, or whoever, make an investment and you will get your money back. Mm-hmm. Tell us about your typical day. Of course, it's eight o'clock in the morning. Oh. It's it's eight o'clock in the morning here in San Francisco. As I said to you before, if if you need a job done, ask a busy man to do it. You're a busy man. So tell us about your day today. What are you going to be doing today to give our listeners a sense of how you're in the front lines and what you do? Because you don't sit behind a desk in some office. You're out there in the streets. Uh, yeah, I don't even have a desk. <laughs> I liken that to when. When Jack Dorsey of Twitter, uh, the founder of Twitter, is a good friend of mine, and, and we talk we talk all the time about he does not have a desk. He's never had a desk. He goes into Twitter. I mean, when he was with Twitter, he go, he would go into Twitter and just find an open spot, find a corner. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that's what I have at Coach Taylor. I have an old rocking chair over in the corner. That's that's where I sit. Because it's not about that. But anyway, my day started about five thirty this morning with calls. My typical call, and I'll just share this with you. Sure. It, it was an older African-American man mm-hmm. who has been running a couple of operations, and his health has caused him not to be able to handle those things anymore. Mm-hmm. He's been staying in his family home for years. The matriarch died, and now the home is in probate, and he's going to have to find another place to live, which he's never been, been faced with that in, in his lifetime, and he don't know even know how to navigate how do, I've never had to find a place in my life. Mm-hmm. Now I got to, and I have no money because I've lost all my businesses. Mm-hmm. So just I'm navigating him through the system and getting him to bow down and be humble to accept you are not who you used to be, mm-hmm. and that's okay. But now you got to market yourself as a different person, mm-hmm. which is hard to do. Humility is, is a very, and, and I know that, Personally, the melee is a very hard thing to do, to downsize. Mm-hmm. So our conversation was how he can n- n- navigate a downsize situation. 
because he's been the leader in this community and yada, 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 but he is no longer there. Mm -hmm. So how do you go and say, well, hey, I, I'm not the king of my community anymore, but I need a place to stay tonight. Mm -hmm. So that went on. That was that was probably the thing about people to understand when you're a case manager or, or, or navigate. It ain't no five minute phone call. Mm -hmm. It ain't no 10 minute phone call. I mean, it could be, but you're not getting the job done. Mm -hmm. So I have learned to, I will stay on the phone as long as you got something to talk about. Mm -hmm. Whether I got time to do it or not, don't matter. Mm -hmm. Because I got to deal with, we're not DMV. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I was, I was in our IRS the other day and I said, oh, I would never want to be like this organization. Mm -hmm. We want to listen. I want to listen. I want, because you may not tell me in the first 20 minutes what you really need. Right. Or what you're going through. But if I stay on there long enough. And my regret that I have a lot of times is, why didn't I stay on that call for another 10 minutes? Mm -hmm. Maybe I could have got the answer and the, and, and the whole real deal if I stayed another 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I have regrets about that. You mentioned to me that as part, moving on to the, uh, the walks, the tenderloin walks that you do, you'd mentioned to me that so many tourists, and of course we have listeners in 65 countries, so so many tourists come to San Francisco and they spend 30, 40, 50 bucks to go out to Alcatraz and to visit an old prison. And you contrasted that against your walks through the Tenderloin. Tell us about that and how our listeners can get in contact with walks through the Tenderloin because, number one, it's an opportunity for, for people outside of San Francisco, tourists who are coming here, to really understand the, the tenderloin, some of the issues that we face, number two, to support your operations. Tell us how our listeners can contact you and participate in these walks through the tenderloin. Let me start out. When I started to organize tenderloin walking tours 15 years ago, 14 years ago, the people I requested to help me get it started saying, ain't nobody going to pay no money to walk through the tenderloin. I said, wait a minute. People pay very well to go to Alcatraz, which are the nasty, pissy, former prisoners. Mm -hmm. So why would they not pay and want to be involved in going through a community where they can smell, feel, touch, and talk to people mm -hmm. and see what life is about, see what people are going through, understand and be very intimate and get in a relationship and understand what our community is really about. And I'm at right now, I'm at 58,000 people. Mm. That's impressive. 58,000 people that wanted to come to the Tenderloin. And these people have made such a difference by coming back, volunteering, supporting all of our nonprofits that I take them to, and just having a better... I get calls all the time from people that's been on the tour and seeing how that changed their idea of homelessness, changed their idea on addiction. Most of my tours, I do a shutdown at the end of the tour, Q&A, town hall meeting, whatever we want to call it. Generally, there's not a dry eye in the room. How can listeners contact you? How can they? How can they book a tour, a walking tour with you? Again, we've they got. They can just go. They can just go on www.tenloinwalkingtours or just tenloinwalkingtours or just give me a call at four one five five seven four one six four one. Well, Dell, in the remaining few minutes of the podcast. What are your closing thoughts for our listeners? Because you've given us a sense of what it's like to be in the front lines in the Tenderloin. What are your closing thoughts for our listeners today, early Friday morning? Well, you know, I know the other day the mayor made a comment that compassion is killing people. 
I'm not necessarily with, Mayor's a very good friend of mine. I'm not necessarily with that. And maybe I can alter that a little bit that if you don't want to use the word compassion, use passion. Because this could be you. It is your relatives. Everyone on this call right now have at least one person in their family that's suffering homelessness and or addiction. Mm-hmm. So this is not, we're not talking about a group of people that we know nothing about. These are our folks. Everyone on this call, these are your folks. Love on them. Give them a chance. Give them an opportunity. Understand that. Do the math. If they fail three times, pick them up four times. If they fail 11 times, pick them up 12 times. Sooner or later, they'll get it. Mm-hmm. Being in recovery can come at any moment. The day that I decided not to use drugs anymore was the morning I was going to get some dope. I was on the bus going to get some dope. And that day it came to me, I don't want to do this. I'm not going to do this no more. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do this no more. So, And I tell people who are struggling right now, it's going to come to you any day. You never know. Be ready for it. And when you get that sign that you're done, take it. Mm-hmm. Work on it. Work it. But you need your family involved. Mm-hmm. So you people that, that have family members of addiction, it's on you. Because mm-hmm. it was on my family. And mm-hmm. my family stood up to the plate. So you stand up to the plate for your folks. Well, Dell, it just goes to show you how your own personal story and the stories that you've told us today, how important it is, number one, for the services to be there so that when the individual has that moment of saying enough, no more, I want to change, that they have the services ready available to them. They've been introduced and they can move They can move into that recovery phase as quickly as possible. And also the importance of family for anyone who's listening to this podcast, as Dell says, if you have a family member, if you have a close friend who has taken this left turn, as Dell calls it, be there for them, give them the support because you may be the difference between their recovery and they're not, and not recovering again, Dell, I want to thank you so much for joining us today, for sharing with us your inspiring story of being in the tenderloin, turning it around and becoming a leader and and an example for the men and women who are still living on the streets. Again, I want to thank you very much. I want to thank you for the opportunity and just let you know, I love the Tenderloin. I've been there 38 years. We're a messed up community, but uh, we love each other. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dell. And for our okay. listeners, today's episode is number 408, as the San Francisco experience continues to mark our third anniversary. Listen to the podcast on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Amazon Music, 19 platforms in total, and join our audience of listeners that span 65 countries and all 50 states. This has been the San Francisco Experience with Jim Herlihy coming to you from San Francisco.